Blog Talk Radio. Hey, Dr. Ross Green here. Monday, May 11th, 2015. And, um, well, that's within our time window of doing the radio program, Parenting Your Challenging Child. We do this program every Monday, September through May. Now, that May part is about to become significant because today's May 11th, and May 25th is Memorial Day here in the United States, which means... We only have one program left after today, May 18th, next Monday. And then we will take our usual summer hiatus, and we'll be back again in September. I am joined by my co-host, Susie Porton. How are you today? Good morning. I'm fine, thank you. And you? I am well. Um, and, uh, well... Um, we have quite a few emails that have accumulated here that we would like to get to before, well, before the end of next week for sure, but we've had quite a few come in in the last week or two. So we got quite a lot. Um, but also, what was I going to say? This is a good day for people to call in as well. Uh, 347-994-2981 and be sure to press 1 when you call in. And then we will bring you on the air. And callers always get priority on this program. Susie, anything on your mind today before we jump into the emails? Actually, there is something for you to respond to, please. Um, I was at school the other day, and a child said to me, my mom likes my sister better and treats her better. So we're in almost a reverse plan B situation, I'm thinking to myself, where the child has to talk to his parents about it and wondering how you would handle it. Would you encourage the child to talk to her parents or would you have her talk to her guidance counselor though you don't know if a plan B discussion would ensue? Maybe the mother would scold the daughter and the kid gets in trouble for talking to the counselor. How would you handle it? Yeah. Um, well, it depends on your role in the building and whether you wanted to start drilling for information. Um, I'd want to hear more about it. And the big question is, who do you think is best to take that on? Um, you are the guidance counselor, so as to see what the next step would be. I'm not sure um, that the kid is going to be well-equipped to go home and converse about that with the parents. Um but you never know if the parent's going to become angry about something. Um, mm-hmm. That, it may, but on the other hand, kids say stuff all the time. On the other hand, there's often a kernel of truth to what kids are saying. And true to the model, we don't question kids' concerns. They're entitled to them. They're entitled to their concern, point of view, perspective. Um, and um, so this kid is entitled to his or her concern, perspective, point of view. Um, the big question is, how much is it troubling her? And is there any way to do something about that? And I'm thinking guidance counselor is probably not a terrible step if that's something you don't want to take on yourself. 
Mm-hmm. But first step would be to hear more about it. Well, thank you. What? 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 Uh, so you'll have to keep us posted. I will. Thank you. Shall we turn? Let's see if we have any callers yet. We don't. Shall we turn to the emails? Yes, let's. Okay. So here, these are some interesting ones, I thought. Um, And let me see. There's a few that we're going to get to first here. This one says, hi there. I'm finding valuable information here. Thank you. This came through the Lives in the Balance website. My uh, just-turned-five-year-old son is in a special kids program. Uh, He was evaluated, and based on the evaluation, they determined um, autism spectrum disorder. Anyways, he's in a self-contained classroom. There are nine kids all over the spectrum. I believe it's more a behavioral issue with my son. Issues arise in the classroom, and my son has frequent meltdowns and tantrums, and almost every day a note written saying that he's not following directions, not listening, argumentative and disrespectful with a straight or sad face, depending on level of severity. They have a smiley face system in which they are given a happy, straight, or sad face, depending on behavior. They have a chance to move up or earn smiley faces back after given a sad or straight face. This is often yet always the cause of why his behavior ensues. He demands or tells the teacher, you will give me a smiley face after she reminds him or moves his clip to sad or straight face. This almost always results in tantruming and foul language aggression toward the teacher. He is then put in crisis center where he is to go to calm down, creating even more anger and tantruming. It is exhausting seeing this report nearly every day. He is a great kid, and I know he can be, but we are really having a hard time in the classroom. Any advice or help would be greatly appreciated. Want to take this one on, Susie, or want me to do it? Sure, I will. Um... Well, I think one of the main problems is that the school is looking at behavior and um, with the collaborative and proactive solutions, we're looking at lagging skills and unsolved problems. Um, I think... Uh, the mom could keep a log for a week and come up with the two or three most important um, unsolved problems and, you know, prioritize those, and those would be the ones that she would start working on first. Um, Then she could, through the Lives in the Balance website, go to the ALSEP, and um, this would also help her uh, clarify and prioritize um, the most important unsolved problems with her son. Um, you want to not put the school folks on the defense, um, so maybe at a calm time make an appointment with the school and a copy of your lost at school book, or at the very least, a blank copy of the ALSEP, 
the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, um, to be brought into the conference and to show that there's a different way to uh, communicate with challenging children. Um, another informative article is your five ways to improve school for behaviorally challenging students, um, which she could download on the computer through the Lives in the Balance website. Um, by focusing on lagging skills and unsolved problems, that leads people to be more compassionate and understand that this might be a developmental delay um, or a learning disability. Well, and just to underscore some of the things that you've said, um, what what she's emailing us about is a, a program that's all about behavior. We don't know if that's all that's going on in the classroom, but what we do know, apparently, is that uh, this young lad, her five-year-old son, isn't reacting real well to the smiley face system, um, which is almost always related to how he's behaving. But as you were saying, behavior's downstream. The problems that are causing those behaviors are upstream. And what the smiley face system seems to be proving is that if they give him a sad face when he is not meeting an expectation, then his behavior is going to get worse. That's sort of um, when there is a downside to um, contingency management programs like this one, um, that's one of them. I mean, but the biggest of them is that they are focused exclusively on behavior rather than the problems that are causing those behaviors. So um, I think you're spot on. Um, uh, the advice would be let's get, if we can, the folks at school viewing um, this kid's difficulties through the prism of lagging skills and unsolved problems. Then that autism spectrum uh, diagnosis will matter even less. I have a feeling that diagnosis is what got him into that classroom, but um, not necessarily what helps us, well, definitely not what helps us understand him as well as we possibly could and what's getting in his way. Um, you know, everything he does once he's already upset, you will give me a smiley face and tantruming and foul language and aggression toward the teacher. That's the aftermath, and that's not saying it's okay. It's just saying we are now way, way, way downstream when what we want to be is way, way, way upstream. And um, I think that assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, as I always think, would do them a heck of a lot of good. We just don't know everything that's going on in that classroom because um, mom's telling us the bad news. Maybe there's some good news going on in there too. Hard to tell just based on the information we have. But if the classroom, and there are still many that this is true, is relying almost totally on looking at behavior and almost totally on rewarding and punishing those behaviors as a way to um, 
help kids conduct themselves appropriately in the classroom. Count me out. Not enough. And what I often find is not even necessary once people are focused on lagging skills and unsolved problems and start solving those problems collaboratively and proactively. Anything more on that one before we move on? Um, maybe just to add the philosophy of the CPS model that children do well if they can, and if they can't, as in this little guy's case, um, find out what's getting in his way. Here's our next one. We are raising our almost 13-year-old grandson. He was diagnosed with ADHD combined type in kindergarten, which means that he is hyperactive, impulsive, and inattentive. We have had a difficult year of sixth grade, numerous in-school suspensions and threats of -of out-of-school suspension. We have requested the testing for an IEP. He is working with a behavior strategist and has a room to go to when he is frustrated or when a teacher is needing him to leave. This has been helping. I would like your opinion on IEPs for kids like our grandson and what we should be looking for. I have also been studying approaches in which we would give less attention to negative and more attention to the great thing he does. However, I'm trying to find ways to help him when he has a meltdown about certain things that happen. I feel like if I can help and understand when he gets overwhelmed and emotional, he goes into a fight-and-flight mode. There has to be a better way to give him tools to use when this happens. And I emphasize the word when for a very important reason. We'll get to it in a second. Now back to the email. I read your book when he was first diagnosed, and we'll reread it and spend some time figuring out problems that precipitate the meltdowns. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Susie, you want to, that's similar to the first one in some ways. You want to take a crack at that one, too? Uh, sure. Um, from our experience, my son had a, um, a 504 in place, and what helped was um, access to the class notes and weekly reports from the teachers to include advance notice of homework, um, extended time to complete assignments, and he met with the counselor sometimes every day with the guidance counselor who set up staggered deadlines and... um, I just lost what I was going to say, just so that they would balance uh, homework that uh, so that it wasn't so overwhelming. Um, Anyhow, if you want to chime in anytime, that would be great. Okay. (laughs) Um, nothing like losing your train of thought on live radio, eh? Yes. And the nice thing about the program being recorded is that lots of people can listen to you losing your train of thought later. <laughs> right. It's really cool. 
Um, here's my thoughts on this. I don't know if they need an IEP or a 504 because I don't know what their 13-year-old grandson needs. And um, I don't think uh, IEP is necessarily the gold standard. Getting the kid what he needs is the gold standard. And if you can get the kid what he needs in a 504, um, you don't need an IEP. So I don't think that's the main issue. But but the bottom line is we don't know what he needs yet, so we don't know if he needs a 504 or an IEP. A lot of school systems reserve an IEP for kids who need special education, and we don't know if our 13-year-old grandson needs special education. But here's what I'm hearing we do need. Um, let's see. He's got a room to go to when, there's that word again, he's frustrated, or when, there's that word again, a teacher is needing him to leave. Those are downstream. That's heat of the moment. This has been helping. Well, it might be helping when he's already upset, but you need more than that if we don't want to be using those things forever. Here's the next part, though. Uh, net less attention to the negative and more attention to the positive. That's great, but still seems to be focused on behavior. Here's the next part. I'm trying to find ways to help him when he has a meltdown about certain things that happen. There's the word again, when he has a meltdown about certain things that happen. See, the word when tells you you're downstream. That's what the word when tells you. You're downstream already. We don't want to be downstream. We want to be upstream. Um, here's the next part. I feel like I can help him understand that when he gets over. When he gets overwhelmed and emotional, he goes into a fight-and-flight mode. There has to be a way to give him tools to use when that happens. All right. I'm glad you're going to reread the book because what you're going to read is that it's what you do proactively, not reactively, that's going to help your grandson the most. Yes, there's a place for things to do when it's already ugly. But you don't want that to be your primary focus because then all of your focus is on what's going on downstream once things are already bad. For things to really work well, you want to focus on what's going on upstream, the behaviors that are causing, excuse me, the problems that are causing the behaviors that are floating downstream. If we wait till when, it's too late. The behaviors are already floating downstream caused by the problems that are upstream. We don't want to do that. We want to identify those problems ahead of time and start solving those problems collaboratively and proactively so that there's no behavior floating downstream and so that we don't have to worry about when the behaviors float downstream. This is an upstream model, and you're going to be reading about that in the book. Does he need an IEP or a 504? I have no idea. But it sounds like, of course, all we're doing is basing our opinion here on what we're reading. It sounds like he sure could use someone to help figure out what his lagging skills and unsolved problems are so that we can start focusing our efforts almost exclusively on what's going on upstream. There's my two cents. Susie, now that you're back, anything that you'd like to add to that? Um, no, I I totally agree with what you said um, by solving problems proactively and collaboratively um, that definitely um, 
helps. And just I remember so well that um, academic material, that the classes start to increase with difficulty um, starting in sixth grade and and it's more challenging for children. So even though our guidance counselor was reluctantly helpful, um, we used her a lot in terms of helping to organize assignments and organize his work. And it and it um, removed us a bit from that role of uh, the homework police. Good deal. Still no callers. Let me give the number one more time: three four seven nine nine four two nine eight one. Here's another email. Dr. Green, thank you for your tremendous work on behalf of our kids. I listened to your presentation. I think this is a follow-up question from a webinar that I did last week for Attitude Magazine, the link for which is now posted in the What's New section of the Lives in the Balance website. And it's not too far down, so people should be able to find it easily. In fact, I think it's right underneath the radio program links. Um, So now back to the email. Um, I listened to your presentation. I'm grateful for the support. I have a 13-year-old son who has been benched, lost recess, referred to the principal, received detentions, and on occasion mocked by teachers. He wants to do better but has extremely poor impulse control. His myriad unsolved problems in school and otherwise present as disrespectful behavior. And no school, we're on our third, coach, boss, or my husband for that matter, can let that slide. Please, can you give examples of how to both implement Plan B and to also satisfy the societal need to correct, reject disrespectful behavior? I want my son to feel understood, but also need him to understand how his behavior makes others feel. Susie, if it's okay, I'll take that one on. Sure. Um, well, let's let's start with the basics. We do want to make a list of the unsolved problems, and we do want to recognize that those unsolved problems are what are causing the disrespectful behavior that comes floating at us from upstream. But the disrespectful behavior is downstream. And yes, I get it. No school, no coach, no boss, and most husbands, and in fact, most wives and moms. By the way, Susie, happy Mother's Day yesterday. Thank you very much. I hope you had a nice Mother's Day. And that um, those to whom you are a mother um, gave you the appropriate recognition. Thank you very much. You neither confirmed nor denied that. So <laughs> I guess it's in the mail. Oh my. <laughs> we'll have to assume that. Yes. And if you'll send me their email addresses, I'll make sure that it's in the mail. <laughs> there are people who don't celebrate Mother's Day. Um my wife is not one of them. In any event, the question is, so, so question number one is, 
The issue number one is the disrespectful behavior, once again, is downstream. But how do we make sure that the kid knows that what's floating downstream isn't okay? Well, the first biggest favor we could do him is figure out what the unsolved problems are, start solving them collaboratively and proactively so that there's a lot less disrespectful behavior floating downstream because it's only unsolved problems that cause disrespectful behavior. Solved problems don't. So that's big favor number one. But here's big favor number two, the define adult concerns step. The second step of solving problems collaboratively and proactively. Um, so yeah, you want them to feel understood, and that's what the empathy step's gonna do, but the empathy step's gonna do more than that. The empathy step is going to help you figure out what his concern, perspective, point of view is on the very specific unsolved problems you're gonna start solving with him upstream. But in the define adult concern step, you're gonna let him know what your concerns are. And your concerns may include um, how his behavior or the problem is affecting others, how it's affecting him. So you're going to get the job done on letting him know that you do not approve of how he's handling the unsolved problem now in the define adult concerns step of plan B. Here's the problem. We adults spend a great deal of time letting kids know we don't approve. We never help them do it better by figuring out what's getting in their way on these specific problems that are causing them to behave in ways that we disapprove of in the first place. When we start solving the problems that are causing the behaviors that we disapprove of in the first place, we learn a few things. He already knew we disapproved of the behavior in the first place. There's a decent chance he already knew what he was supposed to do instead, but is lacking the skills to pull it off. Once again, our theme for the day, we've got to paddle upstream. And if he doesn't already know that you're not good with his disrespectful behavior, and I don't know him, but I'm willing to bet the house that he does know, he's going to know once you've done those three steps of plan B with him, especially the define adult concern step, which is where you will be transmitting that very information to him. Now, I just want to do one thing. That webinar I did for Attitude was an hour long and an hour of collaborative and proactive solutions will give you a taste of the model. But if you want the next course of CPS, you want to go to the home page of the Lives in the Balance website, and there's some quick links where there is some text in the blue area. And one of the quick links is for the guided tour, the walking tour for parents. Spend some time taking the walking tour, and a lot of what I just said, if it doesn't make perfect sense already, will make even more sense after you've taken the walking tour for parents. Susie, anything to add to all of that? Uh, you want to find out what's setting the behavior in motion. And it, this is a tough one. It's it's very difficult, I know, because we had one, a, a son who um, spoke quite disrespectfully to teachers and coaches and his parents. Um, but 
I think that they already know that you don't approve of the way that they're talking. Um, what helped was to make an appointment with our child in a calm moment to dis- have this plan B discussion to prioritize the unsolved problems. And collaborative and proactive solutions is a process that you try to fit it in every day. Um, it takes a while for for kids to get on board, um, especially if punishment and consequences have been reigning over their household for quite a while. It takes a while for a um, relationship to develop and for them to for them to understand and trust that you're trying to understand. Susie, we have a caller. Great. Callers always take priority on this program, so we're going to head over to area code 617. Caller, what's on your mind today? Hi, Dr. Green. Um, my name is Jill, and um, my son don't, is... And don't use any uh, names or identifying information, but now we know you're Jill. Gotcha. But keep going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my son is nine, um, and <clears throat> I've been searching uh, for years to find an approach that was going to work for him, I feel so relieved to find this um, approach because the, you know, consequences and rewards weren't working and um, nothing ever felt good in my gut about doing it that way, and this feels really good. Not always so easy to implement. I'm just starting it, but um, I'm definitely seeing progress, and I, I just feel relieved to treat my son with respect and care and nurture um, the challenge that I'm having is um, my uh, partner lives with us, and getting him to understand conventional wisdom, um, how you know you, to to put that aside when dealing with a, a behaviorally challenging child. So he still believes, even though I've you know shown him all of this stuff and he's supportive of it, he still thinks that my son is trying to you know does his behaviors because he wants to, um, and 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 still thinks the, you know, ignoring him when he does something bad is the right approach, which doesn't feel good to me. So how you get someone else who has such an influence on the child's life to understand um, plan A doesn't work? Well, there's somebody on the air with us here, Susie, my co-host, who um, has some familiarity with partners who don't necessarily buy in quickly. So I'm going to let her tackle this one first, and then I'll chime in. Hi, Jill. Hi. Um, It is rather challenging when you have both a child and a partner. Um and you're trying to implement a a different child rearing philosophy i all i can suggest is we had many plan b conversations my husband and i had many plan b conversations um as well as the help of an outside therapist um to sway my husband um to to try this different approach for communicating um he actually 
once he got the hang of it, he was quite good at it when he could be quite good at it. He still had relapses into Plan A, mm-hmm. um, but they just, the bottom line is everybody wants what's best for the child, and unfortunately that conventional wisdom is out there um, that you know, you need to discipline and you don't want to raise a spoiled child. Um, And that's how my husband was brought up. Um, But after uh, spending a great deal of time with my husband, he did come around. It just took a little while. It it in in itself was a process for him to um, embrace the collaborative and proactive solutions model. Jill, let me ask and you a question. What, what's mm-hmm. getting in his way? What do you think? What's getting in his way? Is this um, habit? Is this time? As Susie said, it's a process. People don't always come around so quickly. What do you think? Um, what's up with your partner? <laughs> uh, well, it's it's not his child. That's um, and he's not sure is he should he be also doing collaborative um, and proactive solutions conversations with my son right now they're sort of in a cold war um, <clears throat> and Sean is uh, my son is so incredibly disrespectful um, that it's really just soured the relationship completely and uh, my partner feels that once that behavior has happened we should ignore him for a, an extended period of time of days. And when the bad behavior happens, um, I ignore it at the time it's happening, but then I re-engage with my son and maybe even praise him for getting control sooner than he ever used to. So I'm not sure, wh- you know, which approach is, you know what I'm saying? Well, one thing I'll say is this. Um, on the positive side, ignoring is more benign than some things your partner could be urging be done mm-hmm. when your son is disrespectful. So we'll we'll count our blessings on that one. But here's the other thing. Here here's what I'm not hearing. I'm hearing that your son is disrespectful to your partner and that they've got a bit of a cold war going on and that your partner believes that the cold shoulder is the best intervention for ending the cold war. Um, He's unlikely to be right on that. Mm -hmm. Um, Engaging is the best way to end the cold war between your Mm -hmm. partner and your son. But then I heard something else interesting that you were saying. And maybe this isn't what you meant, but you said behavior. For, to really implement this model well, and truth is, if your partner's interested in trying this out, value added. Um, truth is, if the, the more proficient your partner becomes in implementing Plan B, the mm-hmm. less enthusiastic he'll be about cold shoulders really accomplishing much of anything. But for this model to really work well, you want to be focused, and you might be already. I'm jumping on something that you said very quickly. You want to be focused on the unsolved problems that are causing the behavior, not the Mm -hmm. behaviors themselves. The behaviors occurring late in the game. The unsolved Mm -hmm. problems are what you and your partner would be 
talking with your son about. And then you would be seeing less disrespectful behavior, just like the uh, email that we read just before we brought you on. Um, Disrespectful behavior is caused by certain problems, and those problems are upstream. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be talking with your son about his disrespectful behavior. That's the behavior. And mm-hmm. he may not be interested in talking about that anyways. Most kids, a lot of kids, don't talk about their behaviors but are perfectly delighted to talk with you about the problems that are causing those behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want a list of unsolved problems. You want to prioritize them. If you haven't already, you may want to take the walking tour uh, on the Lives mm-hmm. in the Balance website. and You can link to it right from the homepage there. Um, But here's one last thing that I'm hearing. You might need, if if this is the Cold War, and if there is a dynamic between your partner and your son that Plan B alone can't fix, and you know what? I've seen Plan B fix a lot of Cold Wars without people needing anything else, but Mm -hmm. I've seen Plan B not be quite, sufficient to the task of addressing all of the communication dynamics that are getting in the way, you might need from extra help from a mental health professional for a brief period to see if you can deal with the dynamic if you all get plan B going and it doesn't get you all the way there. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's my thoughts. What do you think? Right. The other thing I just wanted to add quickly, Jill, was mm-hmm. if your partner could try to see instead of the behaviors, the negative behaviors, but see this as a developmental delay, as a learning disability, just like if your son had a problem with math or or reading, they'd figure out the problem together and get your son the help that they needed. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's I can't stress how important it is to get the right lenses on when when we're in the process of starting this this new way right um and you know the school has also been very supportive and on board with what I've brought to them and I brought this to them um so but while we're doing that when he does have these you know really bad behaviors that we haven't solved for yet what should a parent do in in those cases when he's flipping out having a temper tantrum Defuse, de-escalate, keep everybody safe, and figure out what unsolved problem just made that happen. Mm-hmm. And figure out, is that one you had prioritized, um, mm-hmm. but you haven't done plan B on it yet? Is that one you've prioritized, but the solution isn't working yet? Or is that one you decided not to prioritize, but should have prioritized and you're mm-hmm. going to bump another one of your high priorities out of the priority list so that you can deal with the one that you've decided should have been a higher priority. Okay. If if the question if the um if the question within the question is does your son need adult imposed consequences so he knows that the disrespectful behavior is not okay? Mhm. My general answer is probably not. Um, he probably already knows the disrespectful behavior isn't okay. Mm-hmm. Probably even knows how you wish he would respond instead, but is lacking the skills to solve the problems that are causing the disrespectful behavior in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure he needs more lessons on we don't like when you act like that. I think right. what he needs more of, and I don't know him, so this is obviously just me giving you the model here without having met any of you, but... 
um, what he probably needs more of is, here are the problems that seem to be setting us off the most. If we could just get these solved, um, I think we'd be getting along a whole lot better. Let's. How about mm-hmm. we get to work on these and try to solve them together? You, you, yeah, I would agree with that. He definitely you know, knows how we feel about the behavior, and he's remorseful afterwards. I, I, I definitely agree with that. Good. I was just going to say you de- Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Susie. Sorry. Yeah, you develop a helping relationship with your child by working through unsolved problems and um, figuring out solutions together. And that positive relationship will get you through the most difficult parts, and you gradually rebuild a relationship. Mm. There's many cool parts of the model, but that's one of the yeah. important ones. Yeah, and I'm just trying to get them to build a relationship <laughs> that is productive for everybody. Well, we will be on the air uh, once more for this, what we call broadcast season, next week. But we will also um, be on the air again next September. So you either have one week to call back in if you want to, or about three months mm-hmm. to give it a whirl, and then call in and give us a progress report. Totally up to you. Terrific. Thank you so much. This is very helpful. Good luck with it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I want to let our caller from area code 917 know that we only have three minutes left, and very we're, we're never able to well address questions in three minutes. So to our caller... Um, I want to apologize that we're not going to be able to get you on today, but please call in and we'll get you on first thing next week. So I am very sorry that we only have three minutes left, but I think that the um, smarter play here is to go to one more um, email that I know we can answer quickly. So here we go. This one says, I'm in the early stages of your book, The Explosive Child, and hoping it can help me to help my five-year-old explosive boy. When filling in the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, the problems I come up with aren't consistent. For example, the lagging skill difficulty handling transitions, shifting from one mindset or task to another, one unsolved problem would be difficulty coming in from the garden when asked. However, this isn't every time I ask him, probably only about 75% of the time is it a difficulty. So do I include this on my list if it doesn't happen every time? I hope that makes sense. It makes perfect sense, and I'm glad you asked. No, you're not looking for 100 percenters. All you're looking for is unsolved problems that increase the likelihood of a challenging episode. Frequently, there is almost no things um, that are 100 percenters. Um you're looking for things that increase the likelihood, not things that cause difficulty every single time. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, how come it doesn't cause difficulty every single time? Doesn't that prove that he does well when he wants to? No, it doesn't prove that at all. And I don't know why he has difficulty with that 75% of the time and not 25% of the time, but I bet you'll be able to learn more about that in the empathy step of plan B. And I bet that the boy is not going to say, well, it's because sometimes I want to come in and sometimes I don't. 75% of the time I don't and 25% of the time I do, he's not going to say that. He's going to help you understand what's really going on, and that's the beautiful thing about the empathy step. But once again, the answer to your question, 
You're not looking for 100 percenters. You're just looking for unsolved problems that increase the likelihood. And the truth is 75% is high. I would even put down an unsolved problem that is setting in motion an incompatibility episode 10 to 15% of the time. If one out of every 10 times a particular demand or expectation is setting in motion a challenging episode, I'm game. It's an unsolved problem. Susie, on that note, I think we're going to call it a day. You up for doing this one more time between now and September? Absolutely. And how does next week work for you? Uh, Sounds great. If next week works for you, next week works for me. And um, by golly, I think we'll do it then. Sound good? Yeah, take care. Thanks as always. and um, Pleasure. Talk to you next week.